0: Father, we thank you so much for everybody that's in the room. And Father, sometimes we can be frustrated with logistics, but you're the God of the big and the small and even of details. And I pray that in the details within our church or within our life that you will help us not ever feel overwhelmed or anxious about these things, but that we believe that by the work of your spirit, uh, we can handle all of these things when it comes to our finances, when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to our jobs, our families, everything. Father, I pray that right now, there will not be any anxiety right now in our church or stress or worry, but that we will be able to pay attention, that we will allow your spirit to speak through your word as it is delivered by Pastor Daryl, and that we will be changed as a result. We pray the kids have an awesome, fun, safe time upstairs also. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. And this has nothing to do with the message, but it is in keeping with Craig's prayer just now. Um, I don't know how often or whether currently you feel overwhelmed by too many details, just the complexity, right? Um, I was watching a brief little um, uh, YouTube from a a psychologist. He's pretty controversial, but he's pretty intelligent. His name is Jordan Peterson. And he was talking just to one of his classes when he was... uh, working. Uh, he was at a university in uh, Canada forever. And um, nonetheless, when he was speaking to that class, he was telling them that one of the, the primary problems that people struggle with is complexity. Now, the guy is super smart. I don't really care what you think about him politically. He knows what he's talking about when it concerns psychology. And I think that that's, that is a big problem. And so we need the peace that the Lord Jesus provides. I don't, you know, I, I just provided you with a bunch of details up here. I don't want to overwhelm you with, with stuff. Um, but technology is kind of like that. It takes longer to figure it out at the front end, but once you get it figured out, then it makes things more convenient. It's just, you've got this learning curve and you've got to figure it out. And then of course, when things go wrong, they go wrong, don't they? Yeah, I am the king of technology Murphy's Law. I am telling you, if it can go wrong, and it doesn't matter, it can be low tech. Our air conditioners went out a couple weeks ago, and I mean, it was 92 upstairs. It was toasty. (laughs) Um, The the passage we're going to look at today is from John chapter 15. We've been walking through the gospel of John all year, and it took us half the year to get through half the gospel. The first half of the gospel is organized around seven major signs, miracles that Jesus performed. Now, I have said many times as I've been preaching through the Gospel of John, it was the last Gospel that was written. And the Gospel of John demonstrates that there is the awareness of the other Gospels. So John carefully avoids much of the material that the other Gospels cover prolifically. If you've ever read through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, sometimes they're called the synoptics, you've been made aware of the fact that, hey, I just read that. Right? And then you, you know, you, you read Matthew and then you get to Mark and you went, wait, 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 wait. And then you get to Luke and you're like, whoa 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 wait, wait. Okay. They cover a lot of the same material. There are different, uh, slightly different perspectives. And uh, Luke is the most different of the three. He's the historian. He went out and got a lot of detail. John the, the deeper I've gotten into John, the more I realize it is just completely different than the other Gospels. It really is. But not different in a distracting or bad way. It just shows us in a whole different way, in a really a much more powerful way, that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God. And that's what those miracles were intended to demonstrate or prove. That this was not just some man... Not some great moral teacher, but this was the Son of God, okay? The conclusion of chapter 20 of John tells us what the whole book is about. Uh, There's kind of a an epilogue, if you will, to John. That's chapter 21. I won't talk about that today. But the first conclusion in John uh, tells us what the entire gospel is about. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. So he's telling you, there was a lot more that went on other than there are seven major miracles in this book. And there was a whole lot more than that, okay? Now he tells us the theme. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is Messiah, or Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So last week, we came to what Jesus referred to as his hour, right? Uh, This is where he comes to accomplish what he came down to accomplish, which is to die for the sins of the world, right? At the very beginning of John, uh, John the Baptist, no relation to the gospel writer, saw Jesus, pointed to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God is the Son of God. The first half of the gospel is intended to demonstrate that this is indeed the Son of God, the unique Son of God, not a Son of God as you and I are sons and daughters of God. No, the the Son of the one and only God, okay? Um, and then the last half of the gospel, beginning last week in chapter 13, when Jesus, and really beginning in chapter 12, um, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, Uh, on the back of a donkey in the triumphal entry. And Jesus says, my hour has come. Now in chapter 13, we're in the upper room. We're at the Last Supper. Chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16 are all in the upper room. So here's multiple chapters covering what was probably about a two or three hour period of time. Well, actually, he does leave the upper room with the disciples and they go walking toward the Garden of Gethsemane, but it's an extension of the same experience. So we're talking about maybe a three or four hour period of time and it takes, actually going all the way to 17, it takes that many chapters, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, five chapters to cover three to five hours, right? Whereas the other 12 chapters have covered a period of over three years. So you can understand how important what Jesus did on the cross was. It was the point. The point of him coming was to die on the cross for your sins and rise from the dead. So we come to chapter 14. Um, As I said, on Sunday morning, I'm, I'm going theme by theme or scene by scene through the gospel. And I'm going verse by verse on Wednesday. We're still back in chapter eight on the verse by verse. But we're going to really, I should have one theme per chapter. That's my plan at this point as I pray through and walk through it. And so we will finish the scene by scene on Sunday morning quite a ways before I finish the verse by verse on Wednesday. But if you're interested in more detail and you can't come on Wednesday, then get our podcast. Look for Daryl Hall, Life Will Church Whatever your podcasting platform is, if it's Spotify, if it's Apple, uh, whatever it is, and it will automatically deliver those messages to you. So we get to chapter 14 and Jesus uh, is talking to the disciples after Judas has left the room, right? Uh, so you saw Felix do a, a wonderful monologue last week uh, of a Judas-like character that was like, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be humble like this. I'm not here to wash feet. Uh, I'm not here to, to die, right? I want to be successful. That's the way most people are. Well, Jesus has sent Judas out, and now he begins to talk to the other disciples. And he says to them, don't let, this is uh, John fourteen one, and I'm gonna read fourteen one through seven. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also, and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way where I am going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said, We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Very famous verse here. Uh, This is the title of the message. Jesus told him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus said that he is the way. Is a very exclusive perspective. It can get you in a lot of trouble today uh, if you bring this into uh, a common discussion. But uh, when we understand who Jesus is, we understand why he would say that. He's not just trying to be exclusive and leave people out. In fact, Jesus is the most welcoming uh, person you can imagine. Uh, He welcomes everybody, every tribe and nation and race and people, right? He welcomes all people. But everybody is going to come through Jesus. If you're going to get to the Father, you're going to come through Jesus. Jesus isn't trying to be narrow. He's simply saying the truth. He's speaking the truth. In fact, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus said that the, the straight is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And there are few that find it. Wow. Well, I hope that all of you have found it. Right? Straight is the gate. It's just another word of saying that it's a narrow gate. You can only go through... One person at a time. And another way of saying uh, the the narrow road is it's a difficult road, right? Now, I've always said it's a whole lot more difficult to live your life by yourself, on your own, using your own resources, walking in the flesh, than it is to follow Jesus. But I'm not telling you that it's easy to follow Jesus. It's a whole lot easier, easier to swim with the, 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 uh, the, the stream, uh, with the, the tide to go the direction of the flow. Um, but nonetheless, we need to understand that Jesus is the way. Um, so the first verse, Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. And there are many things that trouble our hearts today. There are many things that concern us today. Some of those things are are outside and we bring those concerns into our life by by watching the media or participating in social media. Some of those are inside. We have turmoil and struggle and trouble within our own lives. Might be in our uh, closer circle, in our families or among our friends or whatever. But many of us are, are are troubled. And Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Now, this is right on the heels of Jesus telling the disciples that, and Peter in particular, that they were going to betray him or they were gonna turn their backs on him just like Judas did. Um, and Peter said, no, I, I'm never gonna do that, Lord. You know, I would die for you. And Jesus told him very plainly, this is at the end. And remember, there's no, there's no chapter divisions in the original text, okay? Chapter 13 flows right into chapter 14. Uh, Peter says, why can't I come now, Lord? He asked, I'm ready to die for you. Jesus said, die for me? Jesus answered, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. That would be troubling. Okay? Jesus is saying, no, you don't have the faith that you think you have. And then he immediately says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Right? So, I want you to understand something. Many people would say, maybe fewer today than in, in, in the past, but many people would say, I believe in God, okay? I believe that God exists. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they understand what it means to believe in God, to believe in the name of Jesus. Believe in is not the same as believe that. The demons believe that God exists They believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but the demons are in rebellion against God, and they're going to hell. Listen to this from James 2.19. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this. You believe that there is one God? Good! Even the demons believe that and shudder, but they're not going to heaven. So believe that is not enough. To believe in means to trust through thick and thin. To trust, even when things are difficult. And you know what? Sometimes it's more difficult to trust when things are going your way because you just don't pay attention to the Lord, right? To believe in means commitment. I've said this for many years. Faith is believing something enough that you're willing to do something about it, right? So uh, those of you that are married this morning or who are going to get married this morning, you believe in that person, and you're going to make a commitment or have made a commitment to that person. And it's a big commitment. I mean, I just, I, you know, when people come to me, they, they want to be married. I just let them know, don't, don't plan a back door on this. God wants this to be permanent. That's his plan. God doesn't plan for you to say, well, you know, if this doesn't work out. Listen, uh, virtually every relationship that I have ever had the opportunity to counsel, Within a matter of months and definitely within a matter of years, the partners are going, man, I don't know about this. But you go through, you push through that. You continue to live in commitment to that person, right? So faith means trust. Faith means commitment. Faith means believing something enough that you're willing to do something about it. Once you commit your life to Jesus and you receive the Holy Spirit, then your heart can be at rest. That's why Jesus is saying... Don't let your heart be troubled. If you want to be at rest, stop looking at this crazy world around you. Sometimes I just have to, often I just have to shut all of that out and say, you know what? I can't change all of this. You know, this politician and that politician, and what are we going to do And inflation? And, you know, they just raised the prime interest rate another quarter percent, which means I will never own a house. And, you know, I mean, houses that you could have bought for $250,000 three years ago are now four hundred fifty. dollars What? I mean, if you pay attention to any of this, it will drive you insane. And the thing is, we can't control any of this stuff. It's so annoying, right? So what do you do? You put your trust in the Lord. And you say, okay. You know what? I don't know what you're going to do, Lord, but I'm just going to trust you, and I'm going to seek to obey you moment by moment throughout the day. The Holy Spirit brings peace. Now, I keep thinking about this, and I'm just going to go ahead and go to the end of the chapter and give you this verse because this relates to the complexity uh, situation that I was talking about a moment ago, and Jesus concludes this chapter or almost at the end of chapter 14 in verse 27, Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Do you need that gift? I need that gift. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Wow, that's that's really good news. But see, it takes trust, or I'm just giving you words, Okay. So, um, number two, Jesus has gone to prepare a place for his faithful disciples. Number two is verse two. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you. In my father's house are many rooms. Sometimes it is translated. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. If you've put your faith in Jesus, he has already prepared a place for you. You don't have to be afraid of dying. That place is already ready. And you know what? Even somebody who gives their life to Jesus at the end, like the thief on the cross, right? The criminal on the cross that turned to Jesus and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise, amen? The moment you shut your eyes on this life, you are translated into the presence of the Lord. Now, this is why people that don't like God too much People that aren't fond of church. Now, don't get me wrong. Church can be annoying sometimes. Not ours. Ours is amazing. Um, but nonetheless, um, you know, church and church people can be ama- you know, annoying sometimes or whatever. But, the, you know, in the end, if you don't like church and you don't like singing these songs and you don't like hearing the word of you're not going to like heaven, right? And if you don't like God, you're definitely not going to like heaven, because it's just all about God. It's just all about Jesus. He's the great reward. Um, so in my father's house are many rooms and I'm going there to prepare a place. So if you have put your faith in Jesus, he's already prepared a place for you. There's no reason for a faith-filled disciple of Jesus to fear death. The Lord waits on the other side to receive you with open arms. Jesus said again to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. And if you wanna look that up, that's Luke 23, 43. Being in the presence of Jesus, number three, is what heaven is about. Jesus says in verse three, he said, I'm coming again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, you also will be. Well, Jesus promised to return, right? So in all likelihood, all of us will pass away. And we, I hope every one of us has faith in Jesus. will be translated into the presence of the Lord. But Jesus is going to come back. And for those who are still alive when he returns, he will translate them into his presence in that way, okay? Go to the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter four, and you can read all about that. But here he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna return for you, okay? Um, eternal life then is not about earthly delights, it is about being with God. And as I said, those who dislike church or worship or the Bible are definitely not going to like heaven. Jesus said this. This is in John 17. Um, this John 17 is the whole chapter, John 17 is a prayer. It's called the high priestly prayer. And we'll get to that in a few weeks. But in John 17, 3, Jesus said, And this is eternal life. So he's defining eternal life. And this is eternal life. Seventy virgins. Uh, you know, a garden of paradise? No, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is about being in the presence of God forever and ever. And, you know, the title of this message and the point and the purpose, Jesus is the only way. He came down from heaven and he returned there to make a way, make a path for us to come to God. You cannot get to God on your own, friends. Apart from Jesus, you don't know God and you don't know the way to find him. Thomas is like the other disciples. Right now, they're not fully convinced of anything. Thomas says, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way, right? A little further down, I didn't read this part, but I'll include this. Verse eight, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. They're just longing to see God. And this is just chilling to me, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Goodness. Jesus is saying, you're looking at the Father in me. And once again, when we get to that high priestly prayer, we're going to see that uh, the Father is in in the Son, the Son is in the Father, and the Son comes into us and brings the Father and the Son, and he comes into us through the presence and the power of the Spirit. Um, Without Jesus, we don't know the way. We just speculate about God. So how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have heard someone say, or perhaps you've said it yourself, there are many paths to God, there are many ways to God? Yeah. Yeah. There are, and most of them are dead ends. I would say it this way. There are many paths to Jesus. Those are called testimonies, but Jesus is the only way to God. Now, if you want to bet on something else, if you want to speculate on something else, I'm going to leave that to you. I don't need to win an argument with you. I'm not your judge. I'm not mad at you. If you're coming from another faith tradition, if you're coming from another religious tradition, if this is just hard for you to swallow, I'm not mad at you. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just telling you what the Bible says and what Jesus said and what Jesus proved. Jesus is the only way. Do you really want to speculate with eternity? <laughs> uh He came from heaven, he returned and he made the way, right? Um, In truth, we don't even have the desire to seek God apart from his touch. He reached down to us in love. Listen to what John says in his little book, uh, 1 John. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. His love inspires, motivates our love. Sin separates us from God, though. It's a high wall, or change metaphors, it's an uncrossable chasm between human beings and God. Uh, this from Isaiah, this is my only passage from the Old Testament, Isaiah 59, 2, but your transgressions or your wrongdoings have caused a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So this is why people get in a situation and they're like, you know what, I've been praying and praying and it's like God's not even listening. But have you ever come to that place where you've acknowledged that Jesus Christ is God's son and you've put your faith and your trust in him? Or are you just crying out to God because you're in trouble? And again, I'm not judging you for that. I know, at least you're crying out to God. But the point is, put your faith in God because only Jesus has bridged that chasm. Only Jesus has knocked a hole in that wall between us and God. Jesus came to die and to rise so that sin might be destroyed. He made a way through the wall. He made a bridge across the chasm And no one else has done this. That's why we say Jesus is the only way, not just because he said it, but because he's the only one that came down to earth and took care of our problem. And our problem is a sin problem. Sin separates us from God. Little sins, big sins, it doesn't matter. Um, I was talking to someone the other day, and they were still, this is a, a Christian person, and they were still struggling over their past, you know, and they were just, you know, there's so many things that I did that were just so wrong and so bad. And I wish I hadn't done them. And I just encouraged this person by saying, you know, the scripture says that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. The devil is called the accuser of the brothers. The devil's the one pointing a finger at you guilt is not bad if it drives you to the one that removes the guilt. But once Jesus removes the guilt, you don't need to be walking around with all that weight on. And you most certainly don't need to worry about being ashamed of what other people think of you because their opinion of you makes absolutely no difference whatsoever. Oh, well, this person knew me in my past. They knew how I was back then. Who cares? You're forgiven. Now you've got a testimony to share with that person. Don't let the devil drag you down with all of this garbage. Your past, your past, your past. Man, if you come to Jesus, your past has passed away. Right? All things have become new in Christ. You've got a new life that you can live and you can walk in. All right. So um, Jesus made the way for us. And no one else has done this, and no one else could do this. Second uh, Corinthians 5 21, he made him that is God, made him that is Jesus, who knew no sin, to be our sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Why does this thing work? This Jesus on the cross thing. Couldn't somebody else have died on the cross? No. Because nobody else is the son of God and nobody else is free of sin. Only the eternal son of God was capable of taking all of my sin and your sin upon himself. And he had no sin of his own that he was guilty for. So he could die in your place and he could die in my place. He who knew no sin became our sin. I don't want you to shout it out or anything else, but just think of a sin. Think of a sin that you think is horrible. Think of a sin that you've been plagued with or you know somebody has had a problem with and so forth. Jesus didn't just die for that. He became that. There's some ugly stuff out there, man, right? I mean, you got this this movie out right now, Sound of Freedom. Have you heard of this movie? They actually made it five years ago. And um, it was uh, the, the movie, Disney got a hold of it and they just shelved it. So then Angel Productions or something like that bought the rights to it. And they took the risk and they put it out there, okay? Um, it's well made, but it's, it's really hard to watch. It's about child trafficking, child sexual trafficking. And it's real, and this kind of garbage happens. And this movie is about a real guy who used to work for the Department of Homeland Security and who got involved trying to you know, get these kids free of all of this junk and a lot of this is going on in other countries. They're kind of the suppliers, just like, say, Colombia is a supplier, you know, was a supplier of cocaine, famously in the 80s and 90s. Um, other countries are suppliers many times of this uh, particular Addiction uh, among Americans. And so this fella chased these people into these other countries and worked with their law enforcement agencies to get them arrested and so forth. And he wanted to do more for these kids, but he kept getting pulled back into our country because he was working for Homeland Security and they had other things for him to do. So he quit, formed a nonprofit, and uh, long story short, they've been responsible for delivering some we're in the neighborhood of 6,000 children from uh, child trafficking. It's it's hideous. But I I, I mentioned all that. Sure, go, go see the movie. Uh, again, it's hard to watch. They don't show anything horrible. But, you know, just even hinting at what's going on behind the curtains is bad enough for me, right? Just makes my stomach turn. And the things that I want to do to people that are involved in that are pretty unspeakable because I have very little forgiveness or mercy for someone that would do that kind of thing, okay? I really, I just, I don't feel the slightest compunction to have mercy for people like that, okay? But I've got to say this, Jesus became even those sins on the cross. That's how deep it goes. That's how powerful God's love and forgiveness are. So I can't tell you that I am godly enough, spiritual enough to forgive people who would do those sorts of things. And heaven forbid that that would happen with someone, you know, a child that I knew. I mean, I would probably end up going to jail for what I would do to that person, right? Um, And I don't think that's a good thing or the right thing. All right, I believe in the rule of law and all those things. I'm just telling you that's how I feel. But Jesus, man, Jesus died on that cross And he took even that. So he became our sin. Little sins, little lies, little cheating, being mean to somebody. You know, you never know. You may just be impatient with somebody. You may hurt somebody's feelings. But you just never know what kind of day they're having, right? You never know what your actions may do to someone else. And we need forgiveness for those things as well. Jesus died for all of that. He became those sins that amazingly, we can become the righteousness of God in him. So when we're in Christ, God doesn't see all of that junk that you think or do or have done. He sees the righteousness of Christ. That's why salvation is possible, right? Um, So... We need to take the narrow road that leads to eternal life right now, today. I quoted this earlier uh, from Matthew 7, 14. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. The verse prior to that, Jesus said, broad is the road that leads to destruction and many are on that road. Stop following the people on the broad road to destruction. Get on the narrow road to life. So lift up your heart. There's a couple of Psalms that have this. It talks about lifting up your heart toward your hands toward heaven. That's a beautiful image, isn't it? Lift up your heart toward your hands toward heaven. And I would take that image and I would say, lift up your heart toward your hands and your hands toward heaven and Jesus will take you up into his kingdom. I like this. This is, I didn't, I I stole this title. This is uh, Dallas Willard. But Jesus is the death conquering master of the universe. Amen. That's good stuff right there. That's why he's the only way. He's not just another prophet. He's not just another teacher. He's not just another religious figure. He's the death conquering master of the universe. I'm gonna put my faith in his hands. I'm gonna put my heart in his hands, right? So again, why take the risk of speculating about some other way? Every other path leads to death. So come to Jesus now. Um, Very quickly, Romans 10, Chapter uh, chapter 10, verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, that means he's the boss, he's the one in charge, he's the king. Can you say Jesus is Lord? Say it. Do you mean that? That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. Do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? He didn't just die on the cross and stay dead on the cross and get buried or we'd all be sunk. He rose from the dead. Do you believe that he rose from the dead? That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from eternal destruction. Saved from hell. Okay. Saved from uh, an eternity of hopelessness. Saved you will be saved. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I'm gonna ask you, I don't do this every single service. I many times leave you with the open opportunity to pray and work things out with God as we sing our next songs, and we're going to do that. But I'm gonna ask everyone in the room to bow their head and close their eyes for just a moment. If you would be willing to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to open your heart and invite his spirit to come and live in you, then I want you to say the words of this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus... I open my heart. I invite you to come in. I believe in you. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I do confess that I have sinned. I believe you rose from the dead. And I will follow you all the days of my life. Come into my life and make me a new person today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that and it was a meaningful commitment of your life to Jesus, I'd like to know about that. Uh, you can go to our website, go to lifefullchurch.com, click the feedback tab. Those of you that are watching online, click the feedback tab and then just say, Hey, man, I, I just prayed that prayer with you. You don't even have to say, Hey, man. You can just say, I just prayed that prayer with you. Um, and you Send that to me and it's it's a, it'll come to me, come to my email right here in the room. Like I said, in the back of the room, there are feedback bulletins. You can put the information on that bulletin. Among uh, the places for feedback, there is a question as to whether you made a commitment today. You can indicate that you did. And uh, we'll take those up when the offering bags are passed. But you can also, there's a box. As you exit the building over on the right side, there's a box and you can just drop it in there. But I want to know, what the Lord did for you today, in your life today. Um, There's an old song, I'm not gonna sing it because they're playing something else and you don't wanna hear me sing anyway. um, It's an old song from the 70s. And it starts off like this. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other, Jesus is the way. I hope you will take Jesus as your way.